Well, listen, we are in a series this morning called what? Transforming lives, loving Jesus, transforming lives. Today is our last message in this series. Uh, we talked about discovering God's love, discovering what that love is. We talked about how it's a prevailing love. It's the greatest force in the universe, greater than any other force. Amen. And then last week we talked about sharing that love. How many know that God doesn't give you anything that you're not to share? He doesn't give you anything that you're not to share, including his love. And then this week, we're going to talk about transforming how that love transforms lives. Loving Jesus, transforming lives is what we've been talking about. And it concludes with this concept of transformation. And ultimately, listen, the goal of becoming a Christian is to be transformed into what God wants you to be. And this goal can only be accomplished by allowing him to transform you. You can't do it on your own. You know, you, you can't allow the world to conform you. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But you've got to allow God to transform you from the inside out. You have your Bible this morning or your device, some kind of way to get to scripture. Please turn to Romans chapter 12. And uh, if you don't have a device or a Bible, just cheat off the person next to you. And if they won't let you cheat off of them, just trust that what I'm telling you is the scripture. I wouldn't lie to you this morning. Amen. Romans chapter 12. We're talking about transforming lives. Trans, what, am I, what do I mean when I say transform? Transform means to change. That's right. To change a thing into a different thing. It implies a major change in form. Come on, it's not a subtle thing to be transformed. Come on. It, in the nature or the function, it suggests an abrupt or startling change as if by a supernatural power. It implies transforming into a higher element. That's what we're talking about this morning. Transforming. I'm not talking about taking a lateral job, making the same amount of money. Come on, just doing different uh, functions. I'm talking about going higher. How many want to go higher this morning? I'm talking about being transformed into something greater than I am now. I don't want to stay the same. I don't want to be out on the lake in this boat, no sail, no oar, no motor, just drifting wherever the current takes me. No, come on, I have a destiny. I have a destination, something God put before me, and I'm going to take methods to go toward that destination. I want to be transformed into something else. Romans 12, 1 and 2, you know it, most of you. It says, I beseech ye therefore, brethren... And sistering, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is the least you can do. Come on. That's your reasonable service. But here's the thing. Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Come on. By the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Not the will of God that 
you know, he'll just allow you to do it. It's permissible. No, we're talking about the perfect will of God. Stop using permissible. Come on, I'm just going to tell you now. I mean, I've, I've, yeah, I know there's, we've, I've used it for years. You know, there's things that God will allow you to do. Yeah, I know all that. Listen, let's stop with all that. Let's go for the glory. Come on. Let's go for his perfect will, what he has for us. Stop accepting what the world is giving you. Listen to what it says in the Good News Translation. I like this when it says, Do not conform yourselves to the standards of this world. But let God transform you what? Inwardly by a complete change of mind. Then you will be able to know the will of God. Once you're transformed inwardly and he changes your mind, then you will be able to know what his will is, what is good and pleasing to him, what is perfect. Another version says this, God's word translation. Don't become like the people of this world. Look at them. <laughs> Come on. Instead, change the way you think. That's where it starts. Change the way you think. Then you will always be able to determine what God really, what does God really want? What does he really want? What is good, pleasing, and perfect? How many want to know what God really wants for your life? Last time I checked, Jesus said the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that more. Not that you might have abundant life. Don't mistake it. Jesus didn't come so that you would have abundant life. A lot of people think he came so that you would have an abundant life. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God came and wrapped himself in the flesh, died on a bloody cross, was dead three days, rose again on the third day with all power, and now is seated at the right hand of the Father so that you might have life more abundantly. Whatever you think abundance is, he came that you would have more than that. More than that. Do you trust what I'm telling you this morning? If you trust what I'm telling you, say this prayer with me this morning. Transforming love prayer. Listen, put it up there, Nia. We're going to say this together this morning. It's a transforming love prayer, and it goes like this. One, two, three, let's say it together. Lord Jesus, come on. Today, I thank you for helping me to understand and accept your love. I now know that it is the greatest force in the universe. Help me to have eyes to see and heart to respond to the needs of others. Let me share grace with the undeserved and bring healing to the hurting that they might know you better and be transformed by the renewing of their mind. This is why you exist. It is to understand the greatest Force in the universe, and that is the love of God. It is to be renewed and transformed by that love that you first might have a relationship with the Lord. And then it is that you might share that same grace, that same mercy that he shared with you with the undeserved. Not just with others. 
I'm talking about with the unders- those who don't deserve it. Because I got a little secret for you. You didn't deserve it. <laughs> come on. Oh, come on. You can look in the mirror and think you might have deserved it. But you didn't deserve the love of God. You didn't deserve the grace that he gave you. You didn't deserve the mercy that endures forever. You didn't deserve the mercy that's new every morning. Come on. And so it's up to us to share that same thing with others. To be transformed. Here's what we're talking about. Transformed. It comes from a word, the same word that means metamorphosis. Or metamorphose. And that means to change from the inside out. Notice that a caterpillar transmutes from what it is today into a beautiful butterfly. That it has gone from an immature state to mature adulthood. Did you get that? When it transforms, when it goes through a metamorphosis, it goes from an immature state, childlike state, into a fully grown adult. That's where God wants us. A weos, not a technon. Technon is the Greek word for little child. I can't give you the keys to the car. I need to tell you what to do. A little child is one that you need to tell them. I want you to go upstairs and take a bath, but you just can't leave it at that. You have to say, I want you to go upstairs, take your clothes off. I want you to turn the water on. I want you to get some soap and put it in the tub. But before you do that, put the stopper in there. So the water just doesn't run down the drain. Come on. And then when the water gets up to a certain level, turn it off. Get into the bathtub. Get a washcloth with some soap. Get the soap into the washcloth. Then put it on your body. Once you're done with all that, take the thing and rinse yourself off so you won't have soap. Take the plug out. Step out of the bathtub. Get a towel. Wipe yourself off. Put on some lotion. Put on your pajamas and get in the bed. <laughs> That's a technon. But God wants to get to you, you to the point where he says, take a bath. And you know everything to do. You don't have to ask him every, well, God, should I do this? Well, should I, I don't know if I should really do it. Uh, I don't know, Lord, it's a little, it's 10 degrees outside. Should I go swimming? I don't know what I should do. Come on. Come on, babies. God wants us to grow up. He wants us to go from a caterpillar to a beautiful butterfly. And here's the thing about it. What happens is you have to understand the difference in these two words, conform and transform. Here's why Paul put that in there. Because he said, don't let the world conform you. How the world conforms you is from the outside in. You see things. I see politicians. I see uh, police. I see this person. I see racial injustice. I see all of these things, and they conform me. They conform my worldview, my way of thinking. Right? They conform the way that I think. And, and the way that I think now uh, helps to conform me the way that I act and how I speak. And it does all of that. It conform The outside conforms me. I look around. How does that person treat me? How does that person treat me? That, can, that shapes me. My environment shapes me. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God is saying, that's not how I want to do with you. I know that you're external, but guess what? No flesh will see me anyway. Here's the thing I want to do. I want to come in on the inside. I want to start with the heart 
and I want to start with the mind. And then I want to transform you from the inside out. From the inside out. Remember Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He, he was transformed from the inside out. And they got to see what a real spiritual being looked like. Here's what I want to tell you this morning. Got a little secret for you. You are that same spiritual being. If you've given your life to Christ and he's changed you, you are the same way Jesus was. Come on. There is something in you that wants to come out. There's some transforming that's taking place in you and it needs to come out. But we have to allow God to do that thing in us. Too often we try to do it on our own. We let what other people say about us conform us. We get offended by people and we react to that. That's conforming us. Other people tell you you can't do it. You're no good. You don't have a good IQ. You're not smart enough. You don't have a degree. You don't have this. And you're allowing those things to conform us. When God is telling you you are the head and not the tail. I have made you above and never again beneath. You are blessed in the city. You are blessed in the field. Come on. You're blessed when you come and when you go. When are we going to start believing that? Because that's what God has transformed you into. Come on. If anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creature. A new creation. Old things have passed away. Letting you tell me how I am has passed away. Being offended and offending others has passed away. That old attitude of being evil and mean, that's passed away. Come on. Behold, all things have been made new. They are new. His mercies are new every morning. They are new to us. I was, I was reading a little bit about how a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. And it was interesting to me. I know we remember this from science class and biology and all those types of things, but it was inter- one part of it was interesting to me uh, how a caterpillar just goes and eats and eats and eats and eats and does all this, and all of a sudden one day it says, I'm done, spins a cocoon, and says, I'm out of here. Something else is coming out. But in that cocoon, do you realize that the caterpillar breaks down to almost a liquid-like form? And then it begins to digest itself. Because it has to kill off everything that it won't need when it's a butterfly. And it keeps a few cells and those, those cells begin to develop into the new thing. And so when we talk about trans, I'm talking about a real transformation. I'm not just talking about magic. Do you understand that when God transforms you from the inside, there are some things that you need to begin to digest and get rid of. There are some things that need to be killed off. Come on. Some things that you don't need when God turns you into a butterfly. Come on. There's some attitudes that need to be killed off. There's some ways of thinking that need to, there's some negativity in your life that needs to be killed off. It needs to be digested. Come on, because God wants to form you and shape you and turn you into something else, something greater. Come on, he wants to do it, but we got to allow him to do it. 1 Corinthians 15, 53 says this, it says, For this corruptible, this corruptible must put on incorruption. Woo! <laughs> and this mortal must 
put on immortality. This corruptible must put on incorruptible. This mortality must put on immortality. GNT puts it this way, for what is mortal must be changed into what is immortal. What will die must be changed into what cannot die. Now, can I tell you something this morning? When you read this scripture and you read it in context as to what Paul is talking about, it absolutely gives the impression that there is coming a day when the Lord Jesus will come back and we will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. We will become spirit form and we will shed this flesh and the true us will shine forth as pure gold. That's why they saying, please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet because I shall come forth. Come on. That's pure gold. But here's what I want to tell you this morning. The moment you give your life to the Lord, the moment you say, I believe in my heart, the Lord Jesus, he is Lord and he is king. I believe that he was raised on the third day. He died on the cross and he was raised on the third day. You confess it with your mouth. You believe it in your heart. All things are passed away because there's a new, the breath of God whoosh, comes in and it awakens something. It's as if God yells to your inner spirit and says, wake up! For I have made you new and now you come forth. But here's what I want to tell you this morning. You come forth as an eternal being. Did you know that? There is an eternal being inside of you right now. It's the real you. This mortality must put on immortality. This corruption must put on the incorruption. Not on a day. I'm talking about today. Because that thing is in you. Oh, I know it could get a little deep. I won't go too much deeper this morning. But there's an incorruptible thing already in you. God's awakened it. But we walk around being conformed to the world, listening to the world. Come on. Worried. Everybody's all up in arms now. I don't know who we're going to vote for. If Trump gets in this, if Hillary gets in, this is going to happen. Listen, God is still on the throne. I don't care who gets in. God is still on the throne. And the earth is his footstool. Much less the White House. Come on. That might be big enough for his pinky toe. I don't know. I think it's bigger than that. So listen, yes, should we be concerned? Of course, you be concerned and you vote and you voice your opinion. But at the end of the day, don't go flailing your arms and worried about what's going to happen. God's got it under control. Now, the concept of this, the idea being commanded by Paul is this, is that Christians are to undergo a complete change, which is under the power of God. Here's what happens to a lot of Christians. We get saved. We say, okay, Lord, I'm going to give my life to you. Give my life. We answer an altar call, maybe. Uh, maybe you're at home. I don't know. So talking with somebody or being discipled. And you, and you give your life to the Lord. And you go through. And some great things happen. 
You know, you give in the offering in faith and then God just supplies your needs. And it's like, boy, this life right here, I just have faith and God is great and all these wonderful things happen. And then something bad happens. Somebody talks about you or it didn't work out the way that you thought it should work out. And then all of a sudden we begin to get discouraged or conformed. Come on. All of a sudden we get a little downtrodden or conformed. We begin to listen to others and we get conformed. But here's what we need to understand is that we are to undergo such a complete change that we allow God to do it in us. And we have to understand that there's nothing we can put our hands to and change ourselves. Come on. Now, I mean, if you want to lower your A1C, just don't eat as many carbs. But if you want to get mature spiritually, you're going to have to read the word and allow God to work inside. There's nothing you can eat for that. No antioxidants that's going to fix the spirit. Come on, somebody. Come on, you can get on that treadmill. Your belly might go down. But your attitude's still the same. So your belly look better, but you're still looking sad. Come on. God wants to change you from the inside out. We have to allow him to do it. That's how you won't get discouraged. We'll talk about it in just a moment. Came across this story. Victor Serebikoff. He was 15 years old, and his teacher told him that he would never finish school. Said, you're doing bad in school, and you're not, it's not going to work. I mean, we've put up with you. You're not that smart. So she told him, this is a true story, told him that he should just drop out of school and learn a trade. Victor took the advice. For the next 17 years, he was itinerant, doing a variety of odd jobs. He had been told he was a dunce for 17 long years. So he acted like one. Come on. He acted like one. When he was 32, an amazing transformation took place in his life. An evaluation revealed that he was actually a genius. He had an IQ of 161. The reason why he act like such a dunce is because that's what he was told. Now, all of a sudden, somebody told him it was a ge- he was a genius. Guess what? He started acting like a genius. Since that time, he has written books, secured a number of patents, and become a successful businessman. Perhaps the most significant event for the former dropout was his election as chairman of the International Mensa Society. Now, I know many don't know what that is, but listen, the Mensa Society has only one membership qualification, and that's that you have to have an IQ of 140. Here is a man that had an IQ of 161, but because he was told that he was a dunce, he acted like one. How many of us as Christians have a mighty call on our life, have books in us that are unwritten, have great things in us that God has already placed there, but because people tell you who you are, you act that way. You remember the story of the little bird was an eagle, but somehow the eggs got mixed up and it went in 
to the eggs with the chicken coop. And and they all came out. The eagle came out. You remember the story. And the eagle looked around and the baby eagle saw all the other chickens. So that's what he started doing. And one day he looked up and he saw an eagle soaring. And he said, wow, what is that? And the other chicken said, that's an eagle. Stop looking up there. You're not going to be up there. We're down here. And he said, okay. (laughs) Went back to that. (laughs) Lived his life out as a chicken. How many of us living our lives out as chickens? Come on. When you're an eagle, God has created you to be an eagle, to soar high above your circumstances. Come on. He called you to walk on water. He gave you the word. But you've been told you're a chicken. So you're acting like a chicken. Here's what I want to tell you. How many know Isaac Newton's first law of motion? Simply says this. That an object at rest or on a particular path will either remain at rest or remain on that path unless it's acted upon by another force. All right, sounds real scientific, doesn't it? In other words, kind of like me when I'm watching a football game, I'm just sitting there on the couch. Unless D.D. tells me to get up and clean the kitchen, I'm just going to sit there and watch the game. Any object that's at rest is not going anywhere unless it's acted upon by an outside force. You and your life, Unless you're acted upon by, an, in this case, an inside force, you're not going anywhere. You're a hamster in a wheel because you can try some things on your own, but you just sit there. But when you allow God to come in and transform you, when you allow him to take control, I'm talking about of your mind. We always look at external circumstances. Lord, help Fix my bank account or my car needs help or I need help with that person over there. What about this person in here? Because this is where it starts. And so to become like Christ is the goal of the transformation. Paul expressed it to us. God predestined it to us. And the purpose of being a disciple is to become like the teacher. Our goal of transformation is simply to become like Christ. I don't know what you think it is. And I don't know what you're trying to do. I wonder sometimes. Because I hear people say they want to be like Christ. But I see them doing different things. So I try to reconcile what they say with what they do. Half the time I look in the mirror. And do that very thing. I try to reconcile what I say. With what I'm actually doing. Come on. And we poo-poo it. Well, it'll be all right. God knows I'm not perfect. I'm just doing the best that I can. You know what? At some point, you've got to be sick and tired of just doing the best that you can to get through life. I don't care if you're nine or ninety. At some point, you just got to be tired 
What does it cause me to say? I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. So in your mind, you think, well, I got to do something. I'm going to get up off the couch and I'm going to go do something. I'm going to tell you what the first thing you can do is even right there on the couch, grab your Bible. Before you go do anything, grab your word and then bow your head. Start praying. Because you do that, God will send you on the correct path. The goal of transformation is not only to become like Christ, but it's also to live like Christ. We need to live our life like Christ. How would he treat others? What do we say? Treat others what? The way that you want to be treated. But some of y'all treat others the way that they treat you. I'm just going to be honest with you. Some treat others just the way they treat you. And that's not what Jesus said. Now, I know that might be difficult for the flesh and for your mind because that person that got on my nerves. Lord, come on. Really? You know what God would say? Really? <laughs> yeah, he would say that got on mine too. <laughs> but I still went to the cross. I was in the garden. Sweat and blood. For what? For people that turn their back on me? For what? For people that talk about me and spit on me? For what? For people that say I love you and then do something different? For people that I forgive and they don't forgive others? What am I doing this for? He wasn't doing it just because of what you did to him. He was doing it because he set his love upon you. And guess what? You are to be the same way. That's what Christ has called us to. Now, I know you start to get some amens at the beginning. You get to this point, you might not get as many amens. I know because it's tough. I know it's tough. I know it. But this is what God has called. You want to rise above circumstances? Try it the kingdom way. Try it. Try forgiving people. Try praying for your enemies. And those that being good to those that despitefully use you. Those are some interesting words. Not just those that talk about you. Those that despitefully use you. Be good to them. That's a little tough. (laughs) But it's the goal. And here's your motivation for transformation. First of all, the mercies of God. God's mercy has to be your motivation for being transformed. There's a little scripture in Matthew and then also in Luke. Now, the scripture in Matthew, I believe chapter 7 says this. It says, judge not that ye be not judged. Right? And so that particular scripture is talking about what? Can anybody kind of guess what that's talking about? It's not a, it's not a trick question. Judge not that you be not judged. What do you think that's talking about? Anybody? It's not tricky. Okay, let me say it one more time. You might get it if I just say it. You might get it. Judge not uh, that you be not judged. So I'm not sure if you might know what it might be talking about now. Anybody know? Judging! Oh! Judging. Talking about judging, right? Judge not 
that you be not judged. Well, I know a lot of you got, you are scholars, I know, because this is Bloomington and y'all, you got the, you know, IU. But I'm just talking about the basic thing. I'm not like that guy with the 141 IQ, 161. I just take it for face value. Over in Luke, it's interesting. You guys know Luke 638. But before that, it's the same speech Jesus gave. He said, judge not that ye be not judged. Condemn not, right? And then he said, give, what do you say? Forgive and you will be forgiving. Now, what did, we, what did we just say the context of this scripture was? Judging. Then it goes on to say, give and it will be given to you. What? Shall men give unto your bosom? Did it say anything in there about money? What did we say? Now, come on, you guys said it. What did we say the context of the scripture was? Judging. Judge. And it will be judged back to you. Good measure. Press down. Shaking together. And running over. Don't forgive. And forgiveness will not be given back to you. Oh, good measure. (laughs) Pressed down, shaking together, and running over. Now, it does say, give and it. So that word it, we can put a lot of things in there. You can put money in there. Give and it will be given back to you. Whatever you give, it will be given back to you. So money can go in there. So I'm not telling you that we're wrong for using that scripture at offering time. But I just want you to understand the context of the scripture. The context of it. This is our problem. We don't understand scripture in context. Stop judging. Don't do it. Because the same way you judged, you're going to be judged. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. We should have motivation to be transformed, to not judge, to be able to forgive. First of all, you get a freedom from sin. If you're transformed, you're free. The chains are broken. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. I don't have to be caught up in that anymore. You get the gift of eternal life. You get peace with God. Come on. You have access to the grace of God. Now this is, I'm not talking about the mercy of God where you messed up and you need him to forgive you. His mercies endure forever. His mercies are new every morning. But I'm talking about his grace. I'm talking about when you're walking along, just minding your business, things are all right, it's okay, not great, not bad, it's okay. Then all of a sudden, God's blessing just overtakes you out of nowhere. Promotion on your job. Come on, check in the mail. Someone calls you, right? Your family shows up unexpected. Just God's grace comes on you out of nowhere. That's the grace of God. You have access to that grace. Walking in authority. People who hate you all of a sudden love you. You don't even know why. Come on. They're good to you. 
give you stuff. And you're saved from the wrath of God. You're saved from his wrath all by what? Because the greatest force in the universe has set that force upon you. He set his love upon you, the love of Christ. He has a perfect love. Come on. He has a personal love. His love is for you. He has an unconditional love. And he has a transforming love. Now, how are we going to do all this? Uh, you, you're talking a lot of stuff, Brother Mike. You're saying all that stuff. Being transformed, being good to people that are not good to me. Forgive, do all this stuff. I can walk in God's grace. I'm blessed in the city. All this stuff sounds good. But how do I get access to that? How am I supposed to walk in that? Because everybody's been telling me that I'm a dunce. <laughs> Come on. Here it is. Paul gave us the key. And he said to renew your mind. The process of transformation continues as we renew our mind. Renewing our mind is made possible when we set our minds. That's what you can do. You, you, sometimes you can't go out and change somebody. You can't go out and change your circumstance around because other people are involved. You can't go out and just make the car work. Come on. You lay hands on it. But you can't just work. It's not in your own strength. Come on. But here's where it starts. This is where it starts. And what you can do is set your mind. Set your mind on things above, according to Colossians chapter 3. On things above, things higher than this. I'm thinking about things higher than what you're thinking about. See, you're dwelling on this petty stuff. I'm thinking about things above. I'm thinking about taking off this corruption and putting on incorruption. I'm thinking about taking off this, this mortality and putting on immortality. How do I do that? That's where my mind is. Come on. Set your mind on things above. Set your mind on things of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22. It's one fruit. You might say, well, I got a couple of those down. Love, joy, and peace. But you know the long-suffering and all that. If you don't have it all down, you don't have none of it down. Because Paul said this, but the fruit of the Spirit is. Not the fruits. It's all one. Sounds a little more difficult now, doesn't it? I don't know if I can do that. You can't do it. God's got to do it. That's what we've been talking about. Allow Him to transform you. It's the only way this can be accomplished. Feed your mind with the Word of God. Feed it. Because Lord knows we feed it with so many other things. Come on. We feed it with so many other things. We feed it with what's up with the Kardashians. Or the blacklist. Come on. Blind spot. I know them all. All these things we feed our mind with. Or the talk around the water cooler at work. Politics. We feed our mind with so many things. Try feeding it with the word of God sometime. Feed it. I mean, don't just read it. Don't just read. I'm not talking about devotion. 
Y'all think I'm talking about devotion. I'm not talking about devotion where you get your Bible app and it gives you one scripture to read every day. That's devotional. I'm not talking about devotional. I'm talking about feed your mind. Like that half hour you would sit down and watch the TV show, take a half hour and read about three chapters. I remember when, I remember when Dietrich and I first got together, I thought I was pretty good at reading the Bible. You know, I'd read, I might even go through and read a whole chapter of something, you know, maybe one chapter of Corinthians. And I, thought, I said, man, I'm doing something, buddy. I'm reading this Bible. Whoo, I'm doing good. And I called her up one night, you know, we was about to get off the phone. You probably don't even remember. And I said, all right, we're going to get off the phone. I said, I'll see you later. I guess I'll go, you know, read Psalms 1 and then, you know, take a shower, get in the bed. She said, yeah, I think I'll just read Hebrews. And then uh, I said, well, which one of them? She said, well, it's only one Hebrews. I'm just going to. I said, Lord, have mercy. This is what I'm getting into. I got to read Hebrews every night. I'm talking about a person who wants to feed their mind. Come on. With the well, I'm not telling you you have to read the whole book of Hebrews every night. But I'm telling you, listen, concentrate, focus, feed your mind on the word of God. Because your mind can be renewed. Your mind can be renewed. Here's how we do it. Here's how what God is, is leading us to do here at the Life Church. We are going to grow and we are going to be transformed through discipleship. I don't know if you've ever heard me say that before, maybe a couple times, but this is how we're going to grow. It's not going to be through programs. It's not going to be through outreaches. We'll do those. We will absolutely because we want to outreach to the community. Yes, we do. We want to have all those kind of things, but that's not what's going to cause our growth, either our spiritual growth or our numerical growth. What's going to cause the growth is discipleship. We must disciple each other. Jesus gave us the model. Come on, how he discipled his friends. Do you know what he did when he discipled his friends? He shared with them the most intimate parts of his life. They walked with him. They ate with him. They slept with him. They learned from him. They talked with him. They argued with him. Come on, Peter argued with him. And I bet there were other times they were corrected by him. They tried to correct him. Come on. He shared some of the most intimate moments of his life. I mean, he even took uh, a couple of them up on the Mount of Transfiguration when he talked to the Father and changed. And he allowed them to see that moment of his life. He discipled them so much until when it was time for him to go, they did not want him to go. That's how you disciple people. When it's time to go, they're like, no, no, I don't want to. But they're telling you, yeah, it's time to turn over now. Now you have to disciple somebody else. Come on, now it's your turn to go out and share with them the most intimate moments, come on, of your life. Be vulnerable to them. All you got to do is stay one step ahead. You don't have to be a theologian to disciple somebody. Just stay one step ahead. Jesus gave us the perfect outline on how to disciple. We will be a discipleship church. Dietrich told you that we're going to be doing a discipleship class this summer. Her and I are going to be leading that class. So we want to see some folks in there, even if you don't think you need to be discipled. Come on, she took the class. If I didn't have to preach on Wednesday nights, I would have took the class. 
You know how many first principle classes I took from Pastor Lou? Nine. And that's when it was a 18-week course. That wasn't the one we have today. There's four weeks. Nine times. And I learned something new every single time. Even if you feel like you don't need to be discipled, guess what? You need to be discipled. And then you need to be discipling someone else. It's God's call. What did he tell us in Matthew 28? Who can tell me that? Matthew 28, the very last couple of verses. Go what? Into all the world. Doing what? Preaching the gospel. And doing what? Teaching. Making disciples. Making what? Making disciples. Making disciples. Somebody say disciples. This is how we grow. Spiritually and numerically. It's how we get people into the kingdom of God. By discipling. We church have been called to be transformed into the image of Christ. We have all the motivation that we need to be transformed. We have the opportunity to start anew. The washing of the water of the word. Regeneration. God wants to give us a complete makeover. The only question left for you this morning. As I look around is not as much about salvation. But it is about will you allow him to do it. Or are you going to remain with the status quo. Are you going to allow God to transform you, starting with your mind, the way that you think, the way you think about others, the way that you treat others, your attitude toward others and toward things? Come on. Will you allow him to change that or will you remain the same? Because I don't know about you, but I've been in church just about all of my life. And if all there is is just coming, singing some songs, listening to somebody, yelling, scream, and going home, then I, I'm, all, I'm done with that. I've done it. I, I, seriously, I've, I don't know about you, but I've done it. And it's okay. Sometimes it's entertaining. So maybe I'll go every once in a while to be entertained. But other than that, I don't want to be part of it. I don't want to join in. I don't want to be part of children's church. I want to be an usher. I want to do all that stuff. For what? I could join another club and do that. Come on, I'm talking real this morning. I'm coming right down Walnut and going right on Main Street, right down on Front Street. Why? What are we here for if you don't want to be changed? Why come every week? I'm not telling you don't come. But then again, why are you here? Ask yourself that. A lot of empty seats. Maybe there's some people that ask themselves that. Why am I here? This is what we got to do, folks. We need to look in the mirror. As we end this series, God is calling us to look in the mirror. Come on. And to look at ourselves first. Here's what it is. It's the airplane scenario. You know what I'm talking about. Lose cabin pressure. Oxygen mask come down. Put yours on first. Get yourself together. And then help others. Here's what God is calling you to this morning. We've lost some cabin pressure. The oxygen masks have come down. Put yours on first. Allow God to breathe the breath of life 
back into you this morning. Amen.